When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast with me, Rich Ferraro. If you are new here, then come in and grab a cup of tea. We are a bunch of Reds fans who have been following Forest since their Premier League glory days in the 80s and 90s, all the way down to League One and now back in the big time again after 23 long years. Coming up in today's podcast, we round up Forest's busy summer of transfer activity and discuss the ins and outs. We'll hear from our man at last week's planning meeting to discuss the new Peter Taylor stand. I'll be speaking to stadium announcer Mark Dennison to look forward to another season of electric atmospheres at the world-famous City Ground. And we'll introduce a new feature and welcome the return of our old friend, the 1865 Sketch. All of this coming up and much more in 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast, which needed a good old lie down after the excitement of last season. Now, let's introduce today's panel. And for any new listeners, introduce yourselves and tell us what the first Forest game that you can you went to, that you can remember. So, I'm going to say greetings to Mr. Tom Newton. And what was your first Forest game that's in your, in your mind, either in person or on telly? Um, first one was Brian Clough's last home game in the league against Sheffield United in 1993. I couldn't remember much of it of the day but uh obviously i know everything about him uh, now and everything and it was just a matter of like at the end wise people on the pitch with a guy walking around with a green jumper on and obviously that's brian clough's famous signature top what he used to wear mm. welcome to the maradon the midlands what can you share with us first game i, I can remember is the one i first went to was which was against newcastle at home at the city ground on January the 1st, 1988. And that's notable, not for the Forest display, because we lost, but uh, it had a certain Paul Gascoigne playing and a Brazilian player called Mirandinha. Mm, Okay. Felicitations to Stephen Topless. Share some memories with us, Stephen. Uh, My first game that I can really remember is the first game I attended in person at the City Ground, which was Stuart Pearce's testimonial against Newcastle in May 1996, which finished 6-5 to Forest. Uh, ended up, I think, Mark Crossley up front, scored the winner. Uh, Kevin Keegan's entertainers were in town and Keegan bought himself off the bench to play in the game. Uh, I think there was people, there was Nigel Clough playing, there was Gary McAllister, a real host of, of stars of the time and uh, a great, Great night of football, I remember. A lot of fun and obviously everyone there to to celebrate Psycho, which still remember that moment when he ran out the tunnel and the whole ground on the feet, chanting, Psycho, Psycho, Psycho. Mm. And um, if I remember rightly, uh, when Crosley played up front, he actually had an outfield shirt with number one printed on the back, which, of course, Stuart Pearce famously used in his managerial career at Man City when he put... <laughs> 
David James on up front. Um, later on this season, we'll also be joined by other people. We've got Baz and Adam waiting in the wings. And uh, you'll be hearing the views of opposition fans as we try and provide reports on every single Forest match this season. So if you're a Heritage listener, then we've got another new cast member here. So we're delighted to introduce a new team member and a new feature. Hi, this is Callum Castelnuovo, and this season I will be bringing you Nottingham Forest News Roundups as part of the 1865 podcast. Welcome, Callum, to 1865. It's great to have you joining us this season. So start off and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I've been a Forest fan from a young age. Um, my dad took me to a nice nil-nil draw at home to Crew Alexandra, and I, I couldn't stay away. Um, my favourite all-time player is Radislav Miewski, um, and I currently cover nine forests for various media outlets. Okay, well, we're delighted to have you on board. And and as you said, you will be bringing us regular updates on the Nottingham Forest news. So we'll be inserting your snippets into our podcasts and match reports throughout the season. Now, there's been a lot going on over the close season. Uh, What have you got for us today? Yeah, so obviously the city ground redevelopment plans have been approved this week. So a bit of a busy week in terms of that. It's great news for for the club, for the fans um, and everything like that. So that's exciting news. Um, and then obviously there's been a lot going on with trying to get the oral Mangala deal over the line and lots of medical bits and bobs. He's been here, there and everywhere. But um, just before we came on air, he was announced. So he's the 12th signing and he's been added to the list of Dean Henderson, Wayne Hennessy, Musa Niakate, Julian Biancone, that's how you say it, uh, Nico Williams, Omar Richards, Harry Toffolo, Lewis O'Brien, Brandon Aguilera, Jesse Lingard, and Tywo Awani. So it's been a it's been a crazy transfer window. We won't get many like this again, but it's uh, it's been exciting, and we have a twelfth man in in the uh, in the team. Okay, so obviously lots and lots of players coming in, and and we're going to discuss that and the main stand redevelopment uh, later on in the show with our panel. Thank you so much, Callum, for joining us today and throughout the forthcoming season. Uh, we will be hearing from you again very soon. Um, if our listeners are interested, where can they find you on social media and the internet? Yeah, so mainly Twitter. Um, I think a lot of listeners will find or know me from Twitter, probably. Um, at Callum Castell N, and then I've got my own website where I post articles, and then I cover Forest for Babel and for Nottingham Sport as well. Okay, great. We will put a link to your Twitter into our show notes so people can uh, catch you there. Cheers, Callum. We'll hear from you again soon. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Obviously, one of the key things that Callum was talking about there were the players coming in and the players going out. So, so panel, let's go around you one at a time. And what's been your transfer highlights so far and which positions do you think still need to be strengthened? Maradon the Midlands, let's start with you. Um, I'd say my uh, highlight was the signing of Omar Richards. Um, I think a couple of points for reason for that. He, firstly, he was, he was an outstanding Reading when he moved over to Bayern Munich, I, I sort of described him as that season's Jed Spence. He was really a standout player in the division, and uh, all, all, a lot of top clubs were after him then. And then secondly, because we managed to convince him to come and leave a club like Bayern Munich and join us, that really sort of made me sort of sit up, take notice, and think, "Hang on, we're, we're serious about this." 
And uh, we've got really must have an interesting project for him to leave there because he, he did make some appearances there. And for his second season, I'm sure he would have thought he'd probably progress a bit more and, and make, make some more um, appearances. In terms of other players to come in, I think it's pretty solid defensively now. It's just at the top end of the field. Um, we're still looking a bit light in terms of uh, goal scorers. So maybe a striker, maybe another one of the wide attackers, a bit of creativity in midfield, because um, and a bit a bit of pace as well, because it is goals uh, that will keep us in the division. Mm, thank you, uh, Tom. I've uh, got an email here from somebody who says uh, their email address is eighteen sixty five dad at gmail dot com, and uh, he says. I know preseason results aren't everything, but uh, should we be concerned about the lack of goals? So, what would your response be to eighteen sixty five, Dad? Um, I think in preseason, everybody's thinking that is how we're going to play, and and I just think because of the amount of players what have left and the amount of players come in, it's going to take time for that them to gel, um, etc. So, um, I think we're going to. I think we're going to have a slow start, but I wouldn't go to panic stations just yet because obviously with all these players coming in, they've got to work gel as each other and they've got to understand how Steve Cooper is, um, how he wants the team to play. So um, I think we, we start from the back, which I think is a great start because like Alex Ferguson um, says uh, good teams win titles and, and all of that. And that's based on a decent defence. So he sorted the defence out and obviously he's moved up the field. Um, I would still like to see an attacking midfielder come in to accommodate um, Jesse Lingard. And um, I would like to see another striker because I saw Taylor against uh, Notts and Burton in pre-season. I'm st- I wasn't convinced last season and I'm not still not convinced with him. And I, and I think with the step up, I think it's going to be huge. So I think with uh, Tawo coming in, and obviously, yeah, Sam Soyage still being there. I still think we need another striker. But um, business-wise, this summer, so far, so good. OK. Any particular highlights for you? Which player was most exciting for you? I like the look of Musa Niakate. He's in the same build as uh, Antoine, um, Antonio Rudiger at Chelsea, who's just left for Real Madrid. And I think he's going to be a really good, solid acquisition to the uh, the back line. Then obviously you've got Cook there, Wall there, McKenna there. So um, I don't think I'm going to see much of the ball, but we need to be resolute at the back. And Steve Cooper's recognised that. And obviously with the players he's got, I think we're going to be pretty strong defensively this season. So yeah, Musa Niakate for me. Mm, thank you. Um, Stephen, who's your transfer highlight and, and which areas would you like to see further strengthened? The highlight is Jesse Lingard. It's a fantastic move by Forrest to get him in and to convince him to come and join the club, fighting off West Ham uh, and upsetting them in the process uh, to sign him. That's been a highlight and um, annoying 90% of talk sports at the same time. But in all seriousness, his quality is going to, he's going to bring so much to the team. We needed to, replace somebody in that role that Philip Zinkenagel was playing last season, just behind the striker. Um, and Lingard's perfect for that. Great with the ball at his feet. He's got an eye for goal. He Good pass on him. He's got everything in there, the energy as well to play in a Steve Cooper side. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him in a forest shirt proper. And 
at the same time is an England international. This is a level of play that probably thought we'd never see at Forest again. England internationals coming in and and they've got World Cup places to play for. And I think this is the most high-profile signing we've made, certainly since Brian Roy in in the mid-90s. But it's probably another level up from that in terms of profile and, and the exposure that this gives the club. It's not just signing Jesse Lingard. It's that exposure and that real statement that comes with it, that we're here in the Premier League to compete. We're not here to fight for 17th and hope that we stay up. We really want to make a good go of it. And it's just so exciting to see this level of player coming in. Yeah. And uh, before we, um, uh, while we're on that subject, let's hear what our Adam said when he spoke to BBC Radio 5 Live's Juliet Ferrington when the Lingard signing had just been announced. To be honest, I think most Forest fans thought potentially that the he was always bound to go to West Ham and it, you know, it was maybe a bit of agent talk that, you know, get another Premier League club interested and then, you know, potentially leverage the move to West Ham. But that obviously hasn't worked out that way. And, you know, he felt like our project was, you know, something that he was interested in and in a one-year deal as well. Um, it, it makes sense for all parties involved. We're so excited to have him, really. What do you think he'll bring then? Because also, you never really see, do you? You never really see transfers and deals for for 12 months no I, I think it's probably based on the fact that of, of course we're a newly promoted club so you know from his perspective a one-year contract to help us stay in the division to potentially earn further years I think would be beneficial to him and then obviously us as a football club so um I'd expect to see him hit the ground running he knows the league he's, he's got over 100 Premier League appearances obviously many caps for England so I don't think he'll take time to adjust. And I think he's made the right decision, even in a biased way. But Steve Cooper's a fantastic man-manager. He's a, he's a brilliant motivator. And I think he'll really get the best out of Jesse, to be, fun, to be honest you, with you. Are you going to give him that love as well? Because Dean Henderson's also gone there as well. And he's the type of player, isn't he, um, Lingard, that you know you could need or will need in, in, you know, in your fight or battle, should I say, these early stages to remain in the Premier League next season? Yeah, of course. I think we've been out of the Premier League for so long. I think people have probably forgotten about our fan base and how passionate we are. And, and ultimately, we are going to, he is going to love the fans and we're going to be behind him every step of the way, you know, like we are with all the new signings, like Henderson, for example. And I think we just give players a home, um, especially under Steve Cooper, they feel wanted. Like look at like Jed Spence last year, you know, we can reinvigorate players' careers. And I think that that's huge for Jesse Lingard. So, we um, heard Adam sounding very, very excited. He's, I mean, Stephen, you sounded excited, but but Adam, out of all of us, he was the one who was absolutely going crazy in our WhatsApp group. And it was a real statement, wasn't it, Stephen? It was. And I think to bring in a player of Lingard's profile is, for the club, it's it's obviously massive because this is a level that we've not operated at for many years. And it's a real, I think it's a real feather in the cap for the great work that's being done behind the scenes with Elidis Maranakis, who has been instrumental in making Lingard feel wanted at the club and helping to really sell it to him. So too, Steve Cooper as manager, Dane Murphy, great work as well behind the scenes. So all of that's coming together now and you're seeing some top class players want to come and be a part of what's happening at Forest and, 
Lingard coming in in itself is great for the club, but I think it's going to make other players in the Premier League and beyond look at Forest and think, wow, okay, something might be happening there. I wouldn't mind being part of that. And for our profile and and for our sort of aspirations for the season, I think it's a massive signing. It gives us a chance of staying in the Premier League and, and staying in it quite comfortably as well. I think it's a difference between slugging it out in 16th, 17th and being up 11th, 12th and, and fairly comfortable and away from relegation. That's how big this signing can be. Um, I'm not a massive fan of the phenomenon of Instagram footballers, but 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 Marriage on the Midlands, uh, it's just a sign of the times, isn't it? Signing a player like Lingard with his Instagram and social media following will inevitably bring Forrest higher profile, just like we're going to have a profile in Nigeria now from signing Taiwo. We're going to have a profile in other countries from the different nationalities that we've got at the club. That's the reality of modern football, isn't it? It is. And um, if I was a fan of another club, I probably might might be thinking, why is he behaving like that? It's, it's, not, it's hardly the way you expect a 30-year-old man to behave. But... Now that he's our player, I can sort of think, look at him and think, well, it's not doing any harm. It's not like he's spending his afternoon getting boozed up in a in a snooker hall or down the bookies. He's spending 10 minutes making a funny video. Is he really doing anybody any harm? And yeah, the profile thing, absolutely right. The uh, the original video, he got he got millions of views. I, I don't think a Forest, Forest online videos got that sort of attention beforehand. So it can only be good. It brings in sponsors and you can, and the, the marketing team can say, look, we've got this much engagement, this many people viewing us, this many clicks on our website. And that can, that's going to bring in more money for the club, which will help us long-term. Yeah. Okay. Back to you, Tom. Um, just briefly, we've had what, I think it's 12 players now that the signing has been announced just before we started recording of Oral Mangala. And We've had, if you include the expired loans, if you include players' contracts which are finished, if you include Samba and Graben going, if you include the youngsters who've gone out on loan to other clubs like Will Swan and Riley Harbottle and Tyrese Fauna, then it's been something like 18 or 19 players going. So we've still we've still got gaps, haven't we, in our squad? Yeah, definitely. You've got... Um, it's- it's come to the end now with terms of like the so-called bomb squad and Harry Arter and hopefully he will be moved on sooner rather than late. And you've got Taylor who was obviously finished the season on loan at Birmingham. So yeah, there is gaps still to fill from to make us competitive. I mean, Miss Maranakis said on the um the balcony of the council house, um well, the day after we got promoted, he doesn't want to tread water at 17th. And like you've said, he wants to be higher up. Uh, in the league so um, yeah I think we're still going to see signings from now until the end of the window and I think it's needed because of loan players going fringe players not being good enough um, or whatever so yeah there is um, plugs still to uh, or gaps still to plug so um, yeah hopefully we'll get a few more in before the end of the uh, window and and just staying with you Tom on a couple of the high profile departures um, how did you feel about the departures of uh, Bruce Samba and Lewis Graben. Samba, I was a bit surprised. I think he shot himself in the foot when he um, come out and there was those uh, bits in the media regarding his contract. And I think 
whatever happened behind the scenes, we don't know the full story. Uh, I think he shot himself in the foot and obviously he made his position a bit untenable, to be honest. And Forrest says, okay, you can go then. Um, and we've got Henderson in who I think he's an upgrade anyway, because he's, he's played in the Premier League and Samba hasn't. And, and this, that, and the other. Grabham, I was a bit surprised with, to be honest. I thought he would stick around for at least a year because of that experience and everything. But for whatever his reasons are, he hasn't decided to stay. So, but it's football at the end of the day. We um, people come and go, and we've seen a lot of uh, pe- good people and not so good people come and go at the football club. So it's just the nature of it, really. But I was, apart, I expected Lewis Grabham to stick around for a year. But if he um, can't be guaranteed starting um, on a regular basis then maybe he wants to go somewhere where he is going to be starting every week so but uh, no Bruce Sam as soon as he said that um, it was kind of let's get him out the door and um, ultimately that's what happened when he went to Lance. Mm. Married on the Midlands uh, with Lewis Graben he's 35 years old you'd think he'd want to give it a go in the Premier League but on the other hand when you're 35 and you think you've got another season at least of first team football and potentially a lucrative contract somewhere. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up... I mean, there's some talk about West Brom, but there's some talk as well that's been hanging around ever since Sabri um, went uh, left Forest that maybe Graben will go to the Middle East or something like that. Um, I guess he's a player of a certain age who's on a certain wage demand and also has a young family to support. So in that sense, assuming he's got something else lined up, probably can't blame him, can you? No, and so the, the vibe you're getting was that he, the club wants to keep him around as much for his off the field um, influence and um, abilities as for his on the field abilities. I mean, playing wise, he, he he wasn't quite good enough to play in the Premier League when he was at his peak. So at, at 34, 35, it would have been a big ask for him to suddenly be good enough to be a starting striker in the Premier League. So he would have just been coming in as a, as a sub um, when we had injuries. And I think be, having been the main man at the club, I don't think that would have been something that was attracted to him. And also being the case, that being the case for Forrest, they wouldn't have offered him anywhere near the sort of money he was on previously. And I think he probably can still on a free transfer um, demand similar wages to what he was on at Forrest in the previous few years. So, not really a big surprise that he's gone. Um, and, um, yeah, we we, we we do need to bring somebody in. I mean, we, we've talked about Taylor on here several times. He wasn't good enough for us in the Championship. So there's no way he's going to be good enough for us in the Premier League. So, yeah, that uh, another striker really is, is a priority now, I would say. Stephen, just very briefly, um, fans were still very keen on, on, on Keenan Davis, no pun intended. And then last week he went and tore his hamstring and, and now everyone's saying, well, he's made a biscuit. So I, I don't know if that means that, if that just shows up that Villa were unrealistic in their price demands. But also I wonder if that means that that could swing either way, couldn't it? It could be that Forrest could use it as a bargaining chip to knock several million off his value and, and sign him up as an extra striker. Or alternatively, it could mean it ends up going down to the last day of the transfer window where Villa try and price us out of the market still. What do you think? It could be the latter, but I, I wonder if it will make us also look at some of our other targets. There'll be there'll be a list of players who we've been looking at and it'll be the next player down from Keenan Davis that we start looking at or the one below. I think we're prepared for every eventuality and 
It'd, it'd be great to get Keenan back at the club. I rated him. I thought he was playing some fantastic football for Forest on loan. But we have to be realistic about our expectation. We can't carry injured players. You know, we've done that far too often in the past. We, we've got a Premier League place to protect. So it'd be great to get Keenan back, but I'm not too sure it's going to happen if if these injuries keep happening. Because, of course, he missed a big chunk of last season, the back end of the season, because of an injury. And they are becoming, it seems, a regular occurrence. Mm. Tom, you wanted to jump in? Yeah, I'm going to say no to Keenan Davis. I mean, when he was at Villa, when season when they went up, he I don't think he hardly played under Dean Smith, and that was a side ultimately struggling for goals. And then he went on loan tours, and as good as he was, that was in the championship. And with his uh, dodgy hamstring, like Stephen's just alluded to, I don't think we can carry him. And I think this, he's not the only striker out there. There's plenty of other strikers. And I'm going to say, as good as he was last season, he did a magnificent job for us since January. And I know he missed a chunk around about from the Easter period. I'm going to say no and say and look for somebody different, to be honest. OK, I'll come back to you in just a sec, Tom. But married on the Midlands, very briefly, would you say that of the loanees that we had last season, the big question mark is Jimmy Garner? And, and I think most of us would would welcome him back in a heartbeat, wouldn't we? Yeah, we would. Um, it looks like it's got to be a permanent transfer. And then the problem with that is Manchester United tend to have quite high um, asking prices for their players. Um, it's, it's seen sort of people like Bill Jones and and Jesse Lingard and even Henderson, I suppose, the last few years sort of being stuck there when they weren't really playing. Um, and I think there would be an outcry from the Man United support if they let him go cheaply so I'm not sure how how realistic that is um but I, I, yeah I, I, yeah I think most Forest fans would like him back he's he's, he's done well but he's, he's he's another one of those unproven in the Premier League sort of players so maybe it might be a bit wiser to, to go with somebody with a bit more experience if you can find somebody um because at the moment that's that's the big unknown with our squad. There's so few players who've actually played in the Premier League. And as as well as the recruitment team have done, because after the playoff final, when the lone players left, we were probably left with the weakest team, with the, the weakest squad that's ever been in the Premier League. And our, our recruitment team were left with probably the biggest job any recruitment team have ever had in the history of the Premier League. But for what they've done is is a magnificent job, but it is full of uncertainty, and we, and we just don't know how a lot of these players are going to fit into the Premier League. And you're never going to have a hundred percent success rate with all your transfers. So maybe it might be worthwhile. I was looking for a bit more experience, uh, but that that doesn't come cheap, and it'll be difficult to get hold of. Okay, Stephen. While we're on the topic of players who can create goals and chances, Morgan Gibbs White, would you? Would I? Definitely, yeah. He's a player I've wanted us to sign ever since watching him last season for Sheffield United and specifically in the playoffs as well, where I thought he was excellent against us. So he's a player who's the perfect profile, young, still up and coming with plenty of time to develop and improve. And uh, yeah, I would love to see him come in. I wonder now with the signing of Lingard, if we, we park Gibbs White for now and perhaps come back to him at a later date, whether that's January or next summer, if we stay up. 
but yeah, I'd love to see him in a Forest shirt. He, he's a perfect Cooper kind of player. Mm. I'm just wondering with the likes of Gibbs, White and Garner as well, um, the nearly, you know, once the season starts, then players are not likely to move until transfer deadline day. The closer you get to deadline day, the higher the price is. And then it may well be the case of having to hold tight until January because those players who are priced out of a move, if the Garners and um, if the Garners and Gibbs Whites of the of the world aren't getting football for their teams, then they might end up forcing a move in the January transfer window. Married on the Midlands, you look desperate to say something there. Well, I just on the Gibbs White thing, I think the reports is that Everton have already had a twenty five million pound bid rejected for him. Which I mean, twenty-five billion pounds for a player who's never really played in the Premier League is really, really top money, and that's and I, for a club the size of Forest, that's like a quarter of our transfer budget, and that would be a massive, massive risk. So if they've rejected twenty-five million, how much do they want? Thirty, thirty-five million, and looking at it from Wolves' perspective, they're a team who struggled to score goals last season. I think they'd be crackers to let him go. I don't know why they wouldn't just give him a go. I don't know why they've let the speculation continue so long. Why didn't they just come out and say, he's our player for next season, he's going to play? It's just That part doesn't make any sense to me. But I think it's, 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 that'd be too expensive for us at this rate. Although I have been surprised already in this transfer window by Forrest. But from a personal perspective, it sounds too much and too much risk to me. Go on, Tom. Um, they've just lost Jimenez, haven't they? Wolves have for a month. So, um, and Fabio Silva, I think, has he gone to Anderlecht now? So, and they haven't really um, brought many players in, if any. So, I don't think Morgan Gibbs-White will be moving anytime soon. Yeah, they've got a really thin squad. I think the other variable that's worth talking about is um, that... With the World Cup, it means players who aren't involved in international football will have a lot more time uh, to agitate for a move in the January transfer window. Who knows how that will turn out? Now, we will have a little chat about one other thing to do with the with the ins and outs at City Ground in just a few minutes. And we're going to have much more coming up after the break, including a chat with City Ground stadium announcer Mark Dennison. But in just a few minutes, it's the return of the 1865 sketch with Jeremy Davis. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. The 1865 sketch by J. Dings. Of all Forest summer signings, none has got people outside the club's fan base talking as much as the arrival of Jesse Lingard. Knowing our recent track record in recruiting established Premier League players and turning them from lions to donkeys, take a bow, Harry Arter, it may also turn out to be the least successful, but at least it's upset the West Ham fans, which is never a bad thing. Until his loan spell at West Ham, which of course catapulted him back into the England reckoning, the only thing that was getting people talking about Lingard was his nickname. J-Lings is something of an outlier in terms of footballers' nicknaming conventions, of which the best known is just sticking the letter Y on the end of the player's surname, which has always struck me as odd, given that nicknames are often adopted to shorten the name of the subject, not to add extra syllables. The most egregious example of this that I can remember is hearing former Rangers and Scotland midfield man Ian Durant referred to as Duranty which sounds less like a nickname and more like an adjective, perhaps describing a player whose career, if not cut short by injury, was at least prevented from reaching the heights predicted for it. Owen Hargreaves might be said to be Duranty, as might Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, or, to give a couple of examples closer to home, Jermaine Genus or Chris Cohen. 
This formula doesn't really work well with the name Lingard. Lingardi presumably jars a bit even to the unrefined sensibilities of the professional dressing room, calling to mind the first bit of Harry Potter's levitation spell. Lingardium Leviosa would be very hard to fit into a terrace chant and wouldn't make much sense anyway, as Jay Lings isn't known for his aerial prowess. I'm always a bit uncomfortable when a player chooses his own nickname, as it suggests that they've started believing their own publicity. I know that Sir Alex Ferguson lost patience with Paul Ince when he started telling people to call him Governor. But hey, he really upset the West Ham fans as well, so we can forgive him a lot. Jaylings is, of course, not just a nickname, but a brand name as well. Lingard's recent social media post, hinting that he might try to get approval to wear the nickname on the back of his shirt, suggests that he wants to become a living, breathing advertisement for the clothing brand that bears the name. It seems pretty unthinkable that he might be allowed to get away with it. After all, brands pay good money to advertise in football stadia. He can point to the likes of Sergio Aguero or Javier Hernandez, who have been allowed to wear their nicknames on their backs, but then they weren't flogging hoodies. This could surely be just the tip of the iceberg, with other players clamouring to be allowed to advertise brands or products on the backs of their shirts. Even if it were restricted to items that related to their names, there could be serious temptation here for the likes of Chris Wood, Beth Mead or Declan Rice. And sticking with the West Ham theme, it's something of a relief that no one ever thought of this kind of thing in the time of Julian Dix. Thank you very much to Jeremy. It's been great to hear your dulcet tones once more. Uh, now we're joined by friend of the podcast, City Ground Stadium announcer and BBC Radio Nottingham stalwart, Mark Dennison. Hi, Denno. Have you had a good summer? Uh, <laughs> short, but very nice. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I've been called a stalwart for a while. I like that. So have you managed to have a little bit of a break? Because we were just discussing off-air that the close season has been been very close this time around, hasn't it? With the playoff mm. final delaying the end of the season. Yeah. And then the fact that we've got a shorter summer with the World Cup coming up in winter. So have you have, have you managed to have a bit of a break from football or have you been in touch with the club over the summer months? Um, I, I was about, you know, I was about to say I haven't had a break. I'm going away in September, but then I realised I did have a short break uh, in um, in early June, and I think that tells its own story. I'd, I'd kind of forgotten. So we um, we had about a week, a week and a half. We went to uh, Norfolk. Um, strangely enough, so we were camping, but and the first night we were on a campsite in Peterborough. Long story. Um, and uh, the people that pulled onto the pitch next to us uh, turned up with their caravan, and they started putting up one of these big flags. And you're kind of watching it, going, what is that floating around up in the sky? They put a massive, great big forest flag up. And I said (laughs) to my missus, oh, got some nice neighbours then, that's nice. Um, So, yeah, I had a bit of a break then. Um, And, yeah, I I have. I've been been in touch with the club because, obviously, um, that a few pre-season games, they can't use city ground for um, any of those games. So we had... Uh, the um, Hertha Berlin game at Burton Albion uh, brought to you with doggy daycare. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, uh, what was that, last week? And then we've got Valencia coming up at Meadow Lane. And then it will be, yeah, be back to back to work at the city ground in a few weeks. Okay, so let's talk about the plans for match days next season. Um, is the match day experience going to evolve or are we going to simply build upon the wonderful connection that we've had between the players, the manager and the fans. And actually, I'm, I'm just going to add in there that obviously 
there was lockdown and then there was a slightly poisonous bit uh, where things weren't going well. But I would say that on the whole, the city ground atmosphere has been generally quite good for the previous two or three years. Um, so a bit of time under Karanka, certainly under Sabri, there was, there was quite a good atmosphere. And then, of course, last season was was a season like no other. So um, is there evolution or revolution? Um the short answer is I don't I don't know for sure. I know there have been quite a few ideas kind of floating around. Um my own feeling is it would be um it would be evolution because as you say, for me I think it works and, and it has worked really, really well. And you're right, that connection between the club and fans I think is is feeling really, really good. So why I, I don't think that, you know, my own view is you don't want to put any of that in jeopardy um in terms of you know other touches and things i you know i don't i don't know a, a lot of that will be kind of iron ironed out nearer the time but um i th- i think i think the excitement level um and as you say it doesn't feel that that long ago i was talking to someone last night about you know the sheffield united game and in some ways that feels like only a couple of nights ago because there's been so there's been a lot happening in a short space of time but even even with that game, which was you know so tense and uh, nail biting, thinking back and similar at Wembley, even though it yeah it was tense and exciting and all of those other emotions, there was an underlying kind of feeling of confidence and 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 a calm kind of aura. And I'm not suggesting that that can be. Uh, necessarily harnessed through an entire Premier League season, but I would like to think that that it's part of the ethos of the club now, and I think it's part of the ethos that Steve Cooper has, and I'm sure with a lot of new signings, he'll be he'll be trying to embrace and harness that feeling that that was there last season and take it into a new campaign um, because it worked last time around. Mm, okay, and lastly for now. Are we going to be hearing Just Can't Get Enough and Freed From Desire at the city ground in oh. the forthcoming season? Oh. Or are we locking them away as memories from happy days? See, I was, I was dreading that in some ways because I am, I think that is one thing that's still yet to be absolutely nailed down. And I know your listeners and contributors will, will have views on it. So look, I'm all ears. I think it's... Um, I think it's really tricky that. So on the one hand, you think, well, just let, let's just talk about Depeche Mode. Just on that, you could say, yeah, it was great for last season. And it was a bit, maybe it was a bit of an omen. Um, and for that reason, do you think, okay, draw a line? Or do you think, actually, we could take it into this new campaign? I, I am, I'm really stuck between the two. I think... And I'd like to think there's a place for free from desire in there because I think, um, actually, for like weeks after Wembley, it was in my it was my earworm for no apparent reason. Uh, well, the only reason being Wembley, of course, but it went on and on and on for a long time. So if that can be worked in somehow, I think that would be that would be great. But on Depeche Mode, I'm really, I'm really stuck with that. Um, and part of me thinks as I say, if we don't do Depeche Mode, then what? Because mm-hmm. we kind of need. It's going to be a. Spe- I I just hope that for 
all of us, we just enjoy the ride this season. And, you know, whatever happens, and you can't, you can't say that they're not giving it a good go. I mean, signings with, that, that have happened already, the ones that look like they're on the way, you know, they're not sitting back and they're not just thinking, oh, just, just sign a couple would be all right. They're taking it seriously. So just enjoy the ride, really. I'm really hopeful that, you know, we can... We've got up. The next thing is to stay there. Let's just, you know, keep everything crossed and enjoy it. Great. Thanks a lot. Mark Dennison, City Ground Stadium announcer. Uh, Enjoy the Premier League experience. You too. Thank you. Thanks to Mark for joining us once again, and we will see you at the City Ground. Now, there's just time to give a special mention to our friends at FanHub. Their aim is to put fans first, and if you sign up to their app, you can get rewards by checking the Forest newsfeed and predicting your Reds team on match days. Find out more by searching for FanHub on social media, and we will be tweeting out golden ticket codes so that you can join the fun and skip the waitlist. We will share the details at the end of the podcast, and we'll also put a link into the show notes. Now, just before I move on, I want to just go back to one other thing about the transfer window. Now, Tom, there was a bit of controversy about the apparent shedding of Joe Lolly from the squad, but more so than that, from the way in which it was allegedly done, with the accusation being that uh, Lolly himself was told via text message that his services were no longer required and he would be training with the under-23s. Any thoughts on that? Um, I, I think I think it might be like a bit of media fabrication. And just to try and put it out there, I don't think Steve Cooper's that kind of person, um, first and foremost. But in on Joe Lolly, I think he's been a brilliant servant for us. But since the comeback from the first major lockdown, he's been a shadow of his former player, uh, former self. And I don't think there's any sentiment in football anymore. And we've we've been saying it on the pod that we all wanted him to get to the level what we knew before the pandemic and he's never got close to that in my eyes there, there might be like little flickers there but um i don't i can't remember the last time he i think he only scored one goal last season and that was i think it was a deflected effort against huddersfield which was the game before the steve cooper revolution so and we've been seeing him he's come on he started games and he hasn't been that joe lolly of old so yeah i think it's just a matter of we move on and he moves on and striving for better and unfortunately for Joe um, he's not going to be a part of it Married on the Midlands you and I were having a little chat via social media this morning because I think you were you were kind of keen to get to the bottom of this from uh, the bits that you'd read weren't you yeah um, I mean I'd be I'd be shocked if he had been told by text message but apparently his his mum said that was the case but I don't know maybe he was told verbally and the text was just a confirmation as seems to be uh, the case um i'm a bit perplexed by it a bit because I, I don't think he's any worse than say taylor uh the portuguese players and one or two other players in the squad larea so for him to be sing- singled out to be sort of training with the under 23s it did seem a bit odd i mean no doubt i, I don't think he is good enough for the premier league i his, his, his first touch and his passing ability have always let him down and, and he get, get found out in the Premier League. But he has been a good servant to us. And so I, I really hope that he hasn't been treated as badly as, as it first appeared because he 
I think part of Forest it should be that we, we treat our players with respect. And so I really hope that has happened. Mm. And Stephen, as Tom uh, alluded to, um, Lolly's not been the same since he had his, since lockdown and he came back and, he, and he's been suffering from this compartment syndrome, which is a chronic condition. Do you think there's a pragmatic element relating back to what Marriage on the Midlands just said, that there are other players who are probably ability-wise on a similar level. Lolly's always been one of those who's appeared to give his all. So do you think it's just a case of there's only so many players who can be trained with the first team in terms of the tactics and the drills that they need to do? And maybe because of Lolly's chronic uh, injury problems, that that's an, a, a pragmatic decision to take him out of that picture, let him find a new club and, and not use up a place in training, which a player who will be able to contribute would be able to make use of. It's a pragmatic approach to keep his fitness up. And don't forget that we have to name a 25-man Premier League squad. So I, the way I look at it is that Joe Lolly training with the first team would then probably be taking a place of somebody who will be in that 25-man squad. To, to maintain his fitness and keep him ticking over, we don't have reserve football anymore, so he would have just gone into the reserves in days gone by. So I think the under-23s is the next best thing and to keep his fitness up and while he looks for, for a move elsewhere. I just wish him all the very best. I think he was a, a an exciting player, a fantastic player for Forrest in his time. At a time, actually, when he was our talisman, nobody else in the team was scoring or creating goals at the same consistent level as as Joe Lolly. So I wish him all the very best and thanks for some fantastic goals, some brilliant memories. But now we are in the Premier League. We've got to look to, to constantly improve. And sadly, that does mean letting go of some of these players who've been with us for the last couple of years. That's just how football is now. Mm. Yes, yes, it is. And in another sign of how football is, the city ground has had to have a lot of work done on it over the summer months to make it ready. We've seen controversies about ticketing. That's probably a discussion for another day. We've seen that we know that there's going to have to be the capacity for 3000 away fans, extra room for the press. And that's just what's going on this season, which is why we've not played any, any friendlies at the city ground. But the big news to do with the city ground is to do with the redevelopment of the main stand and the surrounding area. Now, Tom, you were our man at Thursday's planning meeting. So it's fair to say, isn't it? This isn't just about the main stand, but this covers a whole range of issues in and around the city ground and the surrounding area. Yeah, um, it does. And there was a lot of uh, discussion. Well, there's been a lot of discussion for the last three years of um, people um, who are involved with the project of the actual area of what it entails and even at um, Thursday's meeting those discussions were still being asked um, first and foremost the boat club which at the moment Forest and the boat club are in discussions about relocating that and the stand will not be demolished until they've got a facility in which they can use so that was the first what one which is um, it's going to get done uh, anyway because we're in discussions with them and it was just like other bits and bobs i.e the £700,000 uh, schooling costs which the council asked for us to contribute to but it, it was a painfully it, the meeting was painful because you look at it and 
you think, how does things in this country get signed off? And this has been going on for three years and the same questions kept being asked. But thankfully, the um, the majority of the councillors have uh, had a real urgency to actually get the planning permission approved and thankfully it's happened. So uh, hopefully uh, this season's going to be the last season of the main stand as it is now, which has been there since, what, 68? So, mm. and it's been a long time coming. Well, even then it was just a cobble together after the old stand burnt down. It wasn't really a new, new stand in that sense. So it is very much a relic. Um, Stephen, <laughs> it's, so if, if Tom had an afternoon of his life that he's never going to get back there, and, it, and he alluded to the idea that things do take a long time to get done. So the planning has been a long time coming. We've seen as well loads and loads of infrastructure projects. The classic ones that are in my mind are Wembley Stadium and the Tottenham Hotspur redevelopments, the new ground that they've had. And those things always run over time. For Forest, it's going to be absolutely vital that they're able to knock down the existing stand at the end of this season and get the whole thing finished by the, you know, within a calendar year, isn't it? That would be the ideal to, to get the stand up and operational and getting fans in there as quickly as possible. I think it all hinges on the boat club again, doesn't it? We need to get them uh, new facilities, find a place to, to, to build a new club, get the, get the club up and operational. And then we can start work on demolishing the main stand and rebuilding. Bunch of cocks. Well, yeah. Uh, um, so we've got. And um, Osman and, you know, and other navigators. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's a crucial few months now. Actually, if Forest can get this this new facility sorted for the boat club, then it it kicks everything else into motion, and this new stand work can begin as quickly as possible. And it's massive for the club. It's going to push the attendance up to thirty five thousand, and those extra seats are crucial. You look at the demand for tickets this summer. There's an appetite to watch Forest. People want to come to the games. The more people we can get into the ground, the better in terms of ticket sales, merchandising, all that type of things. So, yeah, it can't come soon enough for me now. We've waited long enough. Let's get the stand up and, you know, bring the city ground firmly into the 21st century. Married on the Midlands, you were saying in one of our, I think he's in our WhatsApp group, saying it's not that long ago. We were going, well, what's the point in in making the ground bigger? And now we're going, well, even if it's 35 and eventually 38,000, well, it might not be big enough at the current rate. I know, yeah, you'd never, I mean, two years ago, you'd never would have believed it. I mean, 35,000 seemed really quite ambitious. We were thinking, well, there's going to be a lot of midweek matches against Barnsley and Huddersfield where there are going to be people rattling around uh, a half-empty stadium. But now, even 40,000, I think we could quite easily sell it out as long as we stay in the Premier League for sort of week in, week out. It's, it really is astonishing. The, uh, how the, the support has suddenly grown like that. It's, it's really, I, I, I never would have believed it. I mean, even in the glory days, we used to struggle uh, to get get set outs often. And um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's really, really quite astonishing. It's, it's another sign of the times, isn't it, Marriage on the Midlands, uh, that football is, is a much, is a very different concern at the top level to what it was when Forrest last were in the Premier League. Yeah, it's, it's a complete, it's a, well, it was a whole new ball game in uh, 92 and uh, now it's uh, a whole new new ball game you might say it's uh, the the scale of it is is really tremendous it's it's just like the, the global nature of it 
um, the money involved. It's it's completely uh, mind blowing. It's uh, from a from a game that was run by local butchers and retired policemen and retired accountants to uh, well a game for billionaires. Really, now it's, uh, it's it's completely completely transformed. You're listening to eighteen sixty five Nottingham Forest podcast. We asked our fans on Twitter. Who do you think will be Forrest's first goal scorer in the Premier League? And we gave the off- the options of Jesse Lingard, Taiwo Awani, Brennan Johnson and Sam Surridge. Out of those ones, in a word, Tom, who would you choose? I'll, I'm going to go with Lingard. I was thinking you all... I've got a funny feeling the goal will, will be at the Gallagate end and it's going to come to him and you're just going to hit it first time, feather it into the bottom corner and we will go into a 1-0 lead against... Newcastle, I think that's what's going to happen next Saturday. So Lingard for me for first Premier League goal. Maradon the Midlands? I'll give it to to, uh, to Taiwo, I think. Yeah, why not? Let's say Taiwo. It'll be crazy to see what Taiwo can do. It would be crazy to see what Taiwo can do, yeah. Okay, and uh, Stephen? I'm going to give it to Brennan Johnson announcing himself on the big stage and getting Forrest's first Premier League goal for 23 years. It'd be nice if it's one of our own as well. So uh, Stephen Topless, the voice of the people, because the polling went 14% went for Jesse Lingard, uh, 14% went for Taiwo Awani, 16% went for Sam Surridge and 56% went for Brennan Johnson out of uh, 400 and something votes. Um, there were a couple of votes as well. So um couple of people saying Musa Niakate, maybe from a corner. Um, the next thing that we also asked was, who do you think will be Forrest's Premier League player of the season? So, Stephen, I'm going to start with you this time. Choose who you think is going to have a great season in a red shirt. I think Louis O'Brien could be a shout for this. He looks already to be a steal at £10 million, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how he steps up to the Premier League. I think he will manage it. And I think he's going to be a very important player for us in the midfielder. I like what I've seen of him already. And I think he could be a real consistent performer for us over the campaign. Mm. Murder on the Midlands? Um, I think just because the way we play and the uh, the wing-backs are so important, I think it, it, it might be one of those again. Um, so as Omar Richards is currently injured, I'll, I'll go for Nico Williams, give it to him. <laughs> OK, so, so Bruce agrees and says Nico. Um, turns out as well that James agrees with you, Stephen, and has gone for Lewis O'Brien. What do you think, Tom? Allow Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> Player of the season for whom, though? Dog and duck. Okay. So no, um, I'm going to go with Mason Carter. I think he's built for the Premier League, and um, I'm really um, looking forward to see what he can bring to our uh, defence uh, this coming season. Okay, so a few mentions here. Daniel's gone for um, Henderson. We've got uh, Andy and Russ, who've gone for Scott McKenna. We've got Phil, who's voted for Brennan. Barry's voted for Yates. But then we've got Fede and Phil and Harvey. And they've all agreed with you, Tom. And the most popular choice, Musa Niakate, to be player of the season. Um, I've not seen him play yet, but the uh, the verdict appears to be he's a Rolls-Royce of a defender. 
So this brings us to the end of our preseason podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've liked what you've heard, then please do follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. All the links are at linktree slash nuttum underscore forest. And also, if you enjoy what you're hearing, do leave us a nice review on your podcast app. Don't just rate us, leave a comment as well, because this helps other fans to find our content. So until next time... I've been Rich Ferraro. I want to say thank you to S Tings, to T Nings, to M to the M, and also to J Dings for the sketch. Thank you to our special guests and to producer Romeo. And most of all, thank you for listening. Do join us again for more, for some match reports and more discussions here on 1865 Nottingham Forest podcast starting next week when we report back from Newcastle. Podcast Network.